The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Welcome everyone. This is John McAndrew, uh, your guest host today. And we're going to talk today to Jamie Vink, who's the Chief Clinical Officer at Sierra Tucson and we're going to talk about being mindful of your recovering loved one during the holidays and how we can provide uh, support for people with addiction and depression and eating disorders through the holidays because it can cause a lot of different things in people that are in recovery. And Jamie, as I said, is the chief clinical officer at Sierra Tucson. She also has private practice uh, in uh, Scottsdale. She's a licensed professional counselor and a nationally certified counselor. She uh, is the founder of Hoof Prints to Healing, an equine psychotherapy program. We'll, we'll probably talk about that a little later. And before she joined Sierra Tucson, her professional career included working with a variety of treatment programs across the United States as a dual residential therapist, family educational therapist outpatient services director and corporate clinical director, and she continues to teach in the Master of Counseling program at Grand Canyon University as an adjunct faculty member. Jamie, welcome to the show, now that I got through your introduction. Thanks very much, John. Thanks for asking me to be part of the show. And we appreciate your bringing to Westbridge, bringing attention to, uh, I think, a topic that has a lot of interest for a lot of people, people that are, we have a lot of listeners that are in recovery and we have a lot of professionals. The holidays can bring up an awful lot of anxiety and situations for people in recovery and we need to kind of bring light to those folks who care for them and how to, how to offer support. So kind of tell us what, what motivated you to bring this topic uh, to us for the show. Well, a couple of years ago, <clears throat> I started to write about how to avoid seasonal depression and how to support folks that were in recovery as family members. A large part of my private practice is to focus on families that are struggling with addiction and depression. And what I realized is along about, oh, just as soon as Halloween decorations were taken down, a lot more of the families that I was working with started to ask me, hey, what do I do? How do I have a Thanksgiving dinner without any alcohol? Is it reasonable to imagine that my entire family will be alcohol-free? How do we enjoy the holidays if for 30 years our family tradition has been to overeat and overindulge in alcoholic beverages? So how do we really restory our family's tradition? 
in order to support our loved one that's in recovery. So what I started to do was to think about the issue, talk about the issue, and write about the issue. And what came up for me is just the notion that the holidays can be tricky for all of us, not just people in recovery and not just those of us that support and love people that are in recovery. And it's very important to stay mindful of seasonal depression and to to take care of ourselves and to practice good self-care so that we don't fall into that trap of feeling that the expectation of our holidays should be the Maxwell House commercial where absolutely everything is picture perfect. Right. Could you give me a good just as a lay person, a good definition of what seasonal depression is and how that looks, uh, you know, outwardly symptomatic and biologically. I'm sure there's a lot that goes on with it, and it's a word that's used a lot. So could you enlighten me on what that really means? Absolutely. Now, seasonal depression can be something that happens during winter months, and it's interesting being in Scottsdale in Tucson, Arizona, where the sun shines, we still do see people with seasonal depression. Mm-hmm. Or, <clears throat> and what it is is a, is a feeling of holiday blues, and it can also be, it can also be a trigger for something more serious. And what happens is that people will show symptoms of a loss of interest, feelings of guilt or inadequacy, loss of energy, sleeping too much or too little, eating too much or too little, or drinking too much alcohol. So those are some of the symptoms of a, of a seasonal depression, just that feeling of what's the point, the overwhelming sense of loss and blues that can overcome us during this time of year. Right. People that are new in recovery... And they come home and they've, uh, it's the holidays and let's say they get out of, uh, let's say they get out of Sierra Tucson in November and now the holidays lie ahead of them plus some family education has to go on about what's going on with their family member and with regards to addiction, alcoholism. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what you're saying is, uh, the recovering person not only has to be aware of what's going on, but the rest of the family has to be aware also of their their feelings. And I, I would imagine that this brings everybody's anxiety level up, doesn't it, when the sober Absolutely. person comes home and now everybody's got things to worry about. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, oftentimes with family members, there's an overwhelming sense of guilt as well. And that concern oh my goodness, when are the wheels going to fall off? What are we going to do to prevent this? And so that can create anxiety within the family system. And what can often happen is that anxiety provokes arguments and the recovering person is saying, what's the point of all of this? So my constant message to my families and to my clients is to continue to have hope and to Mm -hmm. keep working on yourself and to create new memories and new holiday traditions that include being mindful and aware and in gratitude for what is Mm -hmm. rather than what we think other people have or what we had in 1999, that sort of thing. So what 
practically, how do you go about, uh, do you get the family together? How do you work uh, with the family and the, the person in recovery? How do you get them together and what does the conversation sound like? And I, we'll just kind of get started on some of the practical things um, that you talk to the family about just to offer support. Well, that's a great, great place to start. Well, here at Sierra Tucson, we have a four-day family program, a family education program. Mm -hmm. So every person that's here with us in treatment, regardless of whether they're here for addiction, co-occurring disorder, eating disorder, it's disorder, trauma, pain, or mood, they all have their family members are eligible to come for four days. And what we do is we, we work on things like boundaries, communication, as well as self-care and basic education of brain chemistry, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So what happens is the family members are educated in the same language, if you will, that the, that the patients are educated in. So when they sit down and they do their work together, and it's something that we call list work, where we're able to express our feelings and how we've gotten to where we are and how we feel about it and to express forgiveness going forward. And that way everyone is on the same page. So by the time we complete that work, we begin aftercare or continued care planning. And what happens then, and especially now in that post-Halloween time period, we are talking about continued care and the holidays. What is it going to look like? Am I going to return to my home? Am I going to return to my marriage right now? When I return home, what type of support will we have in that home environment in terms of counseling, 12-step, smart recovery, all of those kinds of things so that everyone has all of the resources on board. And when that continued care plan is crafted, that's a huge piece of what we offer to our patients. In addition to that, we offer a service called Connections, which is mm -hmm. continued care management for one year, where regardless of where they are in the United States, they have a case manager that's dedicated not just to the patient, but to their family members. So oh, okay. that the family member can give a call to this case manager and say, hey, should I serve wine with Christmas dinner? Or, hey, I'm feeling my own holiday blues. What is that? What should I do about that? So what we provide is just endless support for people that are walking out of these doors so that they can begin the dialogue to rescript their family traditions and their family holidays. It sounds as though it's very important to have a plan. Does it, is it sometimes the case that it's, it may not be uh, a good idea for the patient to go home this particular holiday, let's say if they're new in recovery? Would there be any reasons that the clinical team would recommend, you know, not going home for the holidays? Absolutely. You know, and what we call that is a supportive recovery environment. And uh -huh. if that is lacking for whatever reason, and in my years practicing this work, I have seen a variety of different reasons why I don't believe it's a healthy move to send the patient back to the mm -hmm. home at that point. And, and it could be a conflict in the marriage. It could be parent-child conflict where 
let's say we have a lot of, in my private practice, I have a lot of young adults, the 18 to 25-year-olds. And let's just say the parents have not experienced healthy differentiation with their child. If they're codependent and overly involved, then oftentimes it makes more sense to have the patient go to a transitional living while both family member and and patient are working on themselves and working on their own boundaries and their own mental health. Right. So the focus, you know, on on the safe environment is obviously a part of it. But what, is, is there any sort of a spiritual a component to, uh, you know, focusing on the blessings of the holidays or, you know, gratitude and... Because, it, you know, it certainly sounds like we could all end up in quite a funk here if we're working so hard on, on making this environment. You know, how do we take a breath and just have a good time? Absolutely, and that's where mindfulness comes in and mm-hmm. being in the moment. And I always tell my patients to stay in the moment and don't be stuck worrying about the past in morbid reflection and thinking things will never be what they used to be and don't get caught up in worrying about the future or if anyone's listening program people we call it future tripping because in the future that's where anxiety lives and in the past that's where regret and sadness can live that in the moment is the only place where we can truly find peace Mm-hmm. and to be grateful for this moment right in front of us. And that's what I review with my families over and over again. Now, is mindfulness a component of what Sierra Tucson offers, is a, you know, as far as when they come to treatment, do you give them techniques and do you use mindfulness techniques there as a part of the treatment? Absolutely, process? and we yeah. use a lot of meditation, mm-hmm. yoga, those kinds of things, everything targeted at having the person ground and to be present in that moment where they're currently living. Absolutely. We've been talking to Jamie Vink from, uh, from Sierra Tucson, and we've been talking about being mindful of your recovering loved one during the holidays. And I think when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about Sierra Tucson and, and how... Uh, how this is woven into the treatment process there uh, when you go home and you stay connected. And uh, I think when we come back, we'll talk to you a little bit more about mindfulness. We'll be right back. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Every day we hear about health and nutrition, but it's also confusing. 
We think we're eating the foods that are good for us, like nuts and berries, and avoiding things that supposedly aren't, like gluten. Yet we still wind up craving poor foods, taking medications, sleeping poorly, and gaining more weight than ever. What could be underlying these health problems? Get the answers. Tune in to Nutritional Wellness Beyond Food with host Lori Hibbard, Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back. This is John McAndrew, of course, and we've been talking with Jamie Bank, and she's the Chief Clinical Officer at Sierra Tucson. And, and Jamie, Sierra Tucson is celebrating more than 30 years or 30 years of uh, just excellence in the field and treatment of addiction. And, uh, you know, tell us a little bit more about what's going on with Sierra Tucson today. And uh, for folks that aren't familiar, I know that some people that have been around for a while working in the field know that Sierra Tucson has always been one of the uh, uh, most respected facilities in the United States for a long time. So what's, what is new there? Oh, absolutely. I'd be delighted to talk about it. So Sierra Tucson has always been known for, as you've said, addiction treatment and mm-hmm. has a great reputation for very high-end, almost celebrity rehab, if you will. And what has changed over the past several years is that what we offer is not only addiction treatment, because I believe that we're the best out there in addiction treatment, and also co-occurring disorder or dual diagnosis. And what that is, as we know, is that addictions often go along with another diagnosis, such as bipolar disorder, anxiety, depression, ADD, a variety of things, post-traumatic stress disorder, and a lot of treatment centers do treat both addiction and co-occurring disorders. In my opinion, and one of the reasons that I really wanted to work at Sierra Tucson is that we also treat eating disorders, we treat mood and anxiety disorders, we Mm -hmm. treat chronic pain, we treat post-traumatic stress disorder. We actually have a program for trauma recovery. And so what we do is we are able to treat folks that have primary diagnoses of those other things rather than just addiction. And we also have Desert Flower Hospital here on site, which is a, which is a detox and also a level one psychiatric facility. So we're able to provide psychiatric stabilization as well as detox support for all of our patients. So what that means is when someone comes into treatment here, we can, we can take care of them from day one of their decision to get help. And then they're in the hospital, as we call it, and then when their situation improves, then they go out into the treatment milieu where they interact with all of the other patients. So to me, that's very exciting that we're able to offer all of those various programs. And in addition to that, 
we do work with a lot of out-of-network insurance companies. So previously, I know that there was, it, it was very cost prohibitive for a lot of families to send their loved ones to a program like Sierra Tucson. And now with the way that we're working with out-of-network benefits, I believe it's a lot more affordable and within reach. So I would highly recommend if someone had a loved one that was struggling with addiction, depression, eating, trauma, give us a call and let us see how your, how your insurance program can work with ours. And you, can go, you can go on the web to SierraTucson.com. And absolutely, you know, lots of uh, questions, and it's a very, it's a very good, easy to navigate website. And uh, we'll give that to the folks and the number. Uh, well, I'll give them the number right now, the toll-free number, or not toll-free, but the number is eight five five three seven three seven seven five two, and. Uh, they will answer any of the any questions you might have. I am curious, Jamie, uh, to become chief clinical officer at a at a facility like Sierra Tucson. Um, what motivated you to to get in this in the into the field? And um, you know what's what's kept you here for so long to end up in the place where you're at? I mean, to teach you know master be a teacher at the counseling program at the Grand Canyon University is uh, uh, a very respectful place to be. And, I, and I, I assume that you got there through experience. Yes, and those are great questions. Thank you. It's um, when I decided to pursue my master's in counseling, I had been um, a human resources executive for Chrysler Corporation and also mm-hmm. Omni Point Communications, which is um, it became T-Mobile, and it was a career change for me. And I decided to um, get my master's in counseling and to begin my practice. And I am an adult child of an alcoholic, and my family of origin really was um, wrought with addiction and depression. And so it was something that I I really wanted to um, to practice when I began my own education, and I knew that this is where I was headed, not only to work in the addiction field, but to also work supporting families. Mm-hmm. And so that to me was a no-brainer, and I was able to do my internships, my practicum, and get really wonderful training in um, in the field. And then I worked in community mental health, and then I was extremely blessed to be hired um, very early in my career, in my counseling career, with by Journey Healing Centers, which was a, a startup company in Scottsdale and also Salt Lake City, Utah. And I was able to just move through various um, programs with them and to help them develop their treatment centers and then ultimately became their clinical director where I was able to really marry the skills that I have with human resources and with administration as well as um, counselor education and training and clinical supervision. And that's when I decided to begin teaching as well because, you know, this is very difficult work that we do. And Mm -hmm. in addition to supporting families and patients, I'm very passionate about supporting other clinicians 
and to assist them in finding ways to be better at their jobs. And so I do a lot of clinical supervision and with the students that I that I taught at Grand Canyon University, and I'm on sabbatical there right now while I'm learning about my new job, is um, I was just highly, highly motivated to give them the best education so that then when they're out practicing, they've got all of the tools that they need in order to be successful and to practice good self-care. I consider myself extremely blessed and very grateful that my career has taken the turns that it did. And so I wanted to just share that and give back. Mm-hmm. Well, they're very lucky and fortunate to have you. I'm curious, in your biography, you founded Hoofprints to Healing, which mm-hmm. is an, obviously an equine therapy program, and, and lots of places have those uh, these days. So, uh, you know, what pushed you to, to found that and to to get involved in that? Well, I adore horses. Oh, that helps. <laughs> my um, my daughter and I are extremely involved with Arabian horses, and um, it's all part of the landscape of Scottsdale, Arizona. And so, we my daughter has been involved in showing Arabians and is a multinational champion both in the United States and Canada. There's a little proud mom for you. And what I learned as I was going through her career with her is that oftentimes show horses end up out of a job when they can no longer perform. And so as more of these horses came into our lives, in addition to my own children's horses, as they would grow out of them, we would never sell them. I would just retire them. And I would find that they were very, very good therapists. And so a lot of the things that we learn from equine therapy, being mindful, being aware, mirroring energy, reflecting, those genuine and immediate feedback, all of those kinds of things, that those really resonated with the clients. And so while at Journey Healing Centers, I was able to develop my own program targeted at the emotions underlying addiction. And again, I was fortunate enough to bring the patients out, residential and outpatient patients, clients, to work with the horses. And I worked with an Arabian horse trainer, Tammy J. And she's just very, very gifted. She's a horse whisperer. And what we were able to do is to combine our passions and talents. And she even went so far as to get a job at the treatment center to enrich her understanding of addiction and dual diagnosis. And we developed a series of exercises utilizing retired Arabian and half Arabian show horses. And so it really just became a labor of love. And I could get more information out of my clients in the arena with these Uh large animals than I could sitting face-to-face in an office. Right. And this is all based on the premise. And and I look at the different treatment modalities at Sierra Tucson and, Mm -hmm. you know, 12-step adventure therapy, cognitive, DBT, EMDR, and, of course, equine-assisted therapy, and, and, and there's more. And based on the premise that everybody is unique, um, that really kind of motivates you, doesn't it, with your experience? Absolutely. Working with families and people. So you approach everybody where they're at and try to find this 
unique piece that they'll respond to? Absolutely. And, you know, something, and I'll just pick on equine therapy as an example, it's not for everyone. So in a group, and this is the same as in a family, okay, maybe equine therapy isn't your thing. Maybe horses aren't your thing. They don't have to be. But watch it moving through the life of someone else, and you end up developing your empathy and your growth when you see someone else really having their moment. The same with yoga. The same with the adventure, adventure courses. At Sierra, we just remodeled our adventure courses, and we have a state-of-the-art level two high ropes course. Now, I don't imagine that that's going to be for every patient that's here, but mm-hmm. what they will feel like when they see their group member, their roommate, their peer, just over the moon with excitement because they have really connected to an activity that brings them out of their depression or makes them believe in sober fun or to a family member that sees their loved one with a smile on their face for the first time in five years. It's a gift. Mm-hmm. And we've had a lot of folks on our program talking about the brain, and I, as I'm watching and I uh, listening to you talk, these activities, in particular with equine therapy, it really changes people's brains. And I'm not smart enough to know how, but you can see it in their eyes. You can see it in their face. You can see it in the way they walk. Uh, some of the breakthroughs that happen with, e- with equine therapy, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? It truly is, and just that insight that's gained. And what I've seen is perhaps the greatest movement is that the ability to trust. And the ability to trust this thousand pound animal and to confront fears and to just join with them and to move into that next level of awareness about ourselves. Uh huh. We've been talking with Jamie Vink and she's the Chief Clinical Officer, officer at Sierra Tucson. And, and the gist of the program is about being mindful of your recovering loved one during the holidays. We've been talking in the last segment quite a bit about what happens while they're at Sierra Tucson and the different programs. When we come back in the next segment, let's talk, Jamie, about, about food because uh, this is an issue for a lot, a lot of people. And uh, me being a diabetic, I will disclose that to the audience. This is a good topic for me to talk about. So we'll be right back in just a minute. Thank you. listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, Family Center Recovery for Co-Occurring Mental Illness and Substance Abuse Disorders. Do you know about Reiki? This method of healing can complement Western medicine as well as other alternative practices. Besides healing, it can have the additional effect of making you feel more positive about yourself and the world around you. 
By tuning into For the Love of Reiki with host Paula Vale, you'll find how Reiki can improve your health, bring balance into your life, and fill you with joy. For the Love of Reiki is broadcast live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. everybody for coming back we've uh we've been talking with jamie vink and before i go any farther i'd like to there is a toll-free number for sierra tucson and it's 800-842-4487 and uh even while we're on the show i think some folks could probably get online and uh you know sierra tucson dot crchealth.com is the website and it's pretty easy to find and uh Jamie, we've been talking basically about you know being mindful of recovering loved ones during the holidays, and and of course alcohol is a big part of all of that, but but also food, and you know being a diabetic, sort of in recovery mm-hmm. for many many years, the holidays are uh, uh, a scary time. It was someone who was very conscious of food and. Uh, you know the need to eat properly and healthy food. So, what is the what is the what does that discussion sound like with the family and also the person that's leaving treatment for the holidays? And how do we support that? Well, as we talked about, we um, we have an eating disorder program here at Sierra Tucson, and addition in addition to that, in a variety of our programs. There are, there are folks that we reinforce the importance of proper nutrition. And we have nutrition consults, personal training, and we ask folks to be mindful of healthy eating because of self-care. And with the holidays coming on board, so many people, so many families celebrate with traditions of huge feasts, Christmas cookies, fruitcake, and those kinds of things, and that's all well and good. However, as you mentioned, there's people with health concerns, there's people with binge eating habits, there's people that are compulsive overeaters, and it's very important that we look at our holiday traditions, and just as we will update our ugly sweaters and decide, you know, those can be set aside, they may have been great in the 80s, but to really have these massive feasts, is that really supportive and is that the best thing that we can do for our entire family system? And mm-hmm. so it's very important that we look at our holiday traditions and just like alcohol at times, let's set that aside. Let's find a new and healthier way to celebrate each other, to tell each other how much we love each other and it doesn't always have to be done over mounds of sugar and gravy. 
And so that's <laughs> sugar and gravy. Well, now hold on, you know, because you're going to have some resistance to this because my grandmother made these cookies that she would send to us in these boxes. And, they, of course, they, we thought they were magic cookies mm-hmm. that could not be made by another human being. And, of course, they're sugar cookies and fudge and all that kind of stuff. So what do you do when you come up with that sort of a resistance? I guess compromise might be a... Moderation. Be a Moderation, yeah. Which really isn't that the key for all of us. And what I'm asking is that we introduce new traditions. And I love the old traditions. We've got them in our family. But I've also introduced new traditions that don't always include food and alcohol. Mm-hmm. So how does this work? Um, you know, give me an example of someone who's gone home and they've, and they've uh, let's say you've given them some tools mm-hmm. and they've used some of them. So what does it sound like when they get back to you on January 14th, um, give me one positive experience and give me one that didn't work so well. Absolutely. I will um, give the positive one first. I work with a family that they have the, fa- the aunts, uncles, cousins, everyone. It, it was just part of, their, part of their tradition that everyone would drink heavily at Christmas. And what we decided to do was to send out emails and asking the family members, because my client was coming home and he was a 25-year-old male who struggled with opiates and alcohol, mm-hmm. and he, his strong, strong preference was not to be around any alcohol. And his parents completely supported that, and they decided to have an alcohol-free home and an alcohol-free holiday. So we crafted an email that told all of their loved ones, hey, we're still going to have Christmas Eve like we always do, but we're going to be drinking apple cider, and we're going to be um, having a very healthy meal, and we're going to be going on a hike in late afternoon, and that's just what our new, thing, our new Christmas Eve is going to look like. We would love to have you be part of it. And what they found is that the majority of the, of the family members were totally on board with that. I believe there was one uncle that couldn't, couldn't get on board for it, and he's someone that we knew was working on his own alcohol challenges. Sure. And so they were all delighted to come in and tell me about their new situation and the other thing that they loved was to talk about Christmas morning waking up not hung over and not full of sugar from the day before. Uh-huh. And so what they a really positive redefined experience Christmas for the family like. to to do something different. Mhm. That's really it's really amazing. And as we talk, I mean I've been with this family for several years. This is and the tradition has just grown. And now Christmas Eve is just a healthy occurrence for them, and they love it. And now they've added skiing the next day and on and on. And, you know, so they basically have re-scripted the holidays. Wow. And then what, what's the other story? The other story would be a couple, and this always makes me very, very sad, where wife is in treatment and husband believes that he does not have a problem and um, he flatly refused 
to and to take alcohol out of the equation for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And so she ended up on Christmas Eve cleaning up wine glasses as she was putting away the the dishes. And inevitably she she got a little tired of it and by New Year's Eve she had sips of the leftover wine. Yeah. And came to me the first week in January just heartbroken because she had relapsed. Yeah. So what, is there, a, is there a happier ending to that story? Oh, sure. You know, I got the husband in and talked all about his resistance to giving up alcohol. And I don't mean to sound totally unreasonable with this. I mean, there, there is a place in a recovering addict's life Ultimately, there is a way that they can be around alcohol in the family, but my whole point is certainly not brand new out of treatment. Right. And there's, there's obviously going to be struggles with this, but the point of it is, is that at Sierra Tucson, you're going to work with the family and give them some educational tools and some thoughts and some ideas to, be, to just be mindful of being supportive. Absolutely. Uh, And more than that, even, we are giving them a case manager. We're giving them the connections program for a year that's all included with the fee. So when you, if you're struggling, if you've got a question about what your loved one's doing, my loved one's not going to a meeting, do I ask them about it? Those kinds of things. There's a number you can pick up the phone and you can call and get your support. Mm -hmm. Now, at a deeper level, uh, Beneath the alcohol and drug addictions and food, there's the anxiety and the trauma and all the things that we suspect are there. And how do the holidays uh, seem to make those sort of rear their uh, ugly head or however you want to talk about it? Why do the holidays and families and getting back with families, because there's a lot more... There's a lot of issues that come up at this time of year, and especially when you get back in the room with people you haven't seen for a year or the brother you haven't spoken to, the sister that you're angry at, all these Mm -hmm. sorts of things. So how do you assist in processing that? Well, while people are here in treatment, they get to do a lot of work on their resentments Uh and anyone that's involved in a 12-step program, be it Codependence Anonymous or Emotions Anonymous, Adult Children of Alcoholics, I'm a firm believer that regardless of what your challenge is, there's a 12-step program to support you. And such a big component of that work and certainly of of the therapy that goes on here is to address resentments that we have and to begin the process of letting them go. And when we do our own work and we begin to let our, our resentments go, what we learn is that resentments are often about a lack of a personal boundary or expectations. Yeah. So if, if I resent my sister because I loaned her money, well, my learning is I ought not have loaned family members money, and that's about my lack of a boundary and my expectation that I would be paid back. So that's an example of the type of work that we do 
on the front end so that people aren't going into that dinner at Aunt Susie's house carrying a lot of these bottled up resentments. Right. And then if, uh, you know, heard people share on the show about the, the making amends part of recovery. It's huge and it's very huge. liberating. Yeah. Yeah. So is Christmas a good time to do that? Is it, um, I guess, with the proper discussion and talking about it, there may be a place for that and there may not, right? With the proper support. Yeah. And, and if that's where, you're, that's where you are in your process, if you're ready to make amends. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have to go through a lot of work in order to be ready for the amends, as well as families to go through their own healing before they're ready to receive the amends. Yeah. We're going to take a, our last break here, and uh, when we come back, we're going to just talk a little bit more about that. It's a very powerful time of year, and when someone's new in recovery, of course this applies to whether they're new or old, but coming home for the holidays, there needs to be a lot of mindfulness around several issues, including the alcohol and the food, and, and we'll, dig, we'll keep digging a little deeper on this, and uh, we'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Do you or someone you love struggle with Alzheimer's disease or some other disorder? Many times, there is not an adequate support forum where you can learn from and discuss topics from top guest experts. Tune in to NeuroMatters, The Brink of Alzheimer's with Dr. Sam Brinkman. Although thought of as a disease that affects only older individuals, increasingly, symptoms are being found in people who are in their 40s and 50s. Get the answers. NeuroMatters airs live Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back to the last segment. We're talking to Jamie Vink. She's the Chief Clinical Officer at Sierra Tucson. And we've been talking about being mindful of your recovering loved one during the holidays. And Jamie, we've talked about a lot of stuff in this first 45 minutes or so. And it's really, uh, you know, having the the family involved in recovery 
I know Westbridge talks about this a lot, uh, how important it is to have the family educated and a part of and involved. Uh, and it's really a great opportunity, the holidays, to bring the family back together, start to look at some new things, to heal some old wounds. Uh, it's really a, it's a great, great opportunity, and it takes some help, uh, obviously, which is what you're doing at Sierra Tucson. So I want to make sure we, <laughs> we frame it as a very beautiful and uh, great opportunity for growth and change. Included in all that, though, is... Uh, I mentioned my grandma Mm -hmm. with her sugar cookies that, you know, nobody would go without. And and once you start eating them, you can't stop. (laughs) And uh, how do we get started on some new things? How do you, what do you call all that? Uh, Traditions? Absolutely. And there's always room for new, new holiday traditions. Uh And to take a look at the way as families how are we celebrating the holiday? What does that holiday mean to us? And how do we move toward more healthy habits and get away from the excess and to really get into gratitude? And gratitude is something, in my opinion, that is just essential to every holiday. And that keeps us out of the sadness that can go to the past. And all of us have loss. All of us have sadness that can often be exacerbated at this time of year because we want the way it used to be and we forget how wonderful it is right now. And something that I do in my own family, and I've done it since my children were little, I do it in work groups, I do it with my friends, is the tradition of affirmation. To be able to look someone in the eye and say, I appreciate your your laughter, your kindness, your love. And if you want to feel the energy in a room, elevate. Go around the room and ask everyone sitting there to affirm the person to the right or to affirm everyone in the circle. And to just make it about how you experience that individual. And also in addition to just really reminding us of how fortunate we are to be around the table with these folks, it actually can give us hope and it creates a new tradition that right now it's not about the past and it's not about the big credit card bill that I have to pay in January. It's about this moment and it's about having that feeling and to be comfortable to say, I experience you as loving and I appreciate your your beautiful eyes, things like that. I believe it's a gift not only be, to be able to say that, but to be able to receive it without saying, oh no, oh no. And something that we're taught and that I work with my clients on is never say anything to yourself that you wouldn't say to your best friend. Mm-hmm. And this reinforces the importance of being able to sit with positive feedback and to be able to receive and to give the affirmation. So it really redefines what giving a gift is, isn't it? I, as yeah, I visualize this, there's no red paper and bows. It's just eye to eye from heart to heart. Absolutely. Right? 
Yeah. And it's just, it creates this shift in your emotion. Wow, what a beautiful thing to do. Mm-hmm. And another really um, a positive tradition is a gift exchange where instead of purchasing something for the person, you yeah. either give them something of yours that means something to you or you make it. You make something for the person. And this often takes a couple of weeks of planning where you go out and you draw names in your family or in your circle where you gift, but it's just, it redefines gifting. Wow. Boy, those are great tools. What about the kids? What about the little kids? What can be different for them, um, you know, without taking the fun? Of course, kids are probably going to be eating a lot of candy, but hopefully they've not, you know, had access to alcohol and mm-hmm. the overeating yet. So how do you kids um, keep the kids involved in new traditions? Well, I believe that moderation, it's a, it's a great time to introduce moderation uh-huh. when children are young. And so they won't have that feeling of overindulging. Um, never, ever offer children sips of alcohol. That's setting them up for very unhealthy behaviors. So that's the second thing that I would recommend is that give them their, of course, children need to have your grandma's cookies, but they can do so in moderation and we can model, let's have one or two and then put them away for later rather than having 10. Uh Uh-huh. Not allowing sips of alcohol if there's any alcohol in the home. And then a child is never too young to get involved in these other traditions and learning how to affirm and learning the art of gifting when the gifting is something that you treasure yourself. And to say, okay, I'm going to give my brother my favorite toy and to see the look on his face. Or I'm going to spend the whole week before Christmas making my dad a poster of pictures. So those are ways that we can introduce the very young and to create these new and healthy traditions. And it allows people to be creative. And that that process in itself is pretty fun when you've done something nice and, Mm -hmm. you know, you give it to someone. You know, these are things I have to tell you that I that haven't even crossed my mind to do at Christmas time, and I think that's just evidence of how we're so so uh, firmly planted in what Christmas is about, mm-hmm. just in relation to what our families did. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to get pe- families to change, obviously. But it sounds like if the food and the alcohol changes, a lot of other things can change as well. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And again, it just goes back to being present in today and being grateful for what is there and for the people that are there rather than falling into that trap of morbid reflection about who isn't there. Mm-hmm. So do you have... Do you have anything in writing that we could, or access to your article or any, any of these tools that our listeners could find, or can they go to the Sierra Tucson website to find some more? Where could we get access to these? Well, you've got the article about how you can be mindful of your recovering loved ones. I've got an older one about avoiding seasonal depression, but I'm more than happy to um, email you something about these tips that we just discussed in terms of new holiday tradition. Right. 
and hopefully we can make those available for our listeners. And again, we want to thank Sierra Tucson for sharing you with us today. And again, they're celebrating 30 years uh, in the field of treatment. And I think that the emphasis you made today is it's not the Sierra Tucson that started 30 years ago uh, where you flew out there for 30 days and then you came back and it was kind of good luck from there on. Uh, the program that lasts for about a year, and I'm trying to get the name of that. Um, connections. Connections. So tell me a little bit more about Connections and where they could find information about that on your website. Um, connections is on our website, and that is everyone that joins us for treatment. That's a service that they get for a year post-treatment, and that is case management and support. Mm-hmm that's offered by um, master's level clinicians. It's not your clinicians from here at Sierra Tucson. It's a, a separate company that we work very closely with that uh-huh. provides one year of support for yourself and your family. Again, I think that's a very, very important component is the longer we stay connected, you know, the better the recovery is, the better the outcomes. Again, the toll-free number at Sierra Tucson is 800 800- Eight four two four four eight seven, and the website is uh, Sierra Tucson at crchealthgroup.com. And and again, Jamie, thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. And you've given me many things to think about about the holidays, and I hope you know. I hope our listeners too can benefit from this and maybe get them thinking a little bit more about what the gift really is during the holidays. And thank you for being on the show. My pleasure. Thanks so much. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. We appreciate you joining us today for One Hour at a Time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion. One hour at a time. We'll see you next week.